Today, in our reading from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, we have the call story of the prophet Jeremiah. We don't hear very much from the book of Jeremiah in the church, partly because the book is very long and very bleak. I was sort of in awe. Uh, Reverend Happy told me earlier that he once preached at a 5.30 a.m. weekly service on the book of Jeremiah for an entire year, which is nothing short of heroic. But another reason that we don't hear very much from the prophet Jeremiah is that the writings of the prophets are this very complex and delicate thing. Prophets sometimes predict the future, but more often God gives them special insight into the events of their day, to the things happening around them. And they have this ability to sort of read between the lines, to pull back the curtain of human events and see God's work going on behind the scenes. And therefore, because they can see this meaning, they're able to tell the people what they should do to respond. And of course, even though the prophets might have been speaking about the events of their own day, they're recorded in scripture for a reason. We're invited to sort of look over their shoulders and see how their insight might apply to our own situation today. The danger comes when we treat the prophet's words as exact predictions of what will happen in our current situation. History is riddled with people who read the prophets and then predicted the end of the world or chose a particular side in a conflict or decided that someone was God's chosen agent, only to find out later that they misread the signs. And so we have to read the prophets carefully, prayerfully, asking for God's guidance, and with a healthy dose of humility. But sometimes, with careful reading, we can find parallels between the prophet's situation and our own. We can find that the prophet's wisdom applies to our own lives today. And I do think that the situation facing the prophet Jeremiah does have some uncanny parallels with current events. Jeremiah was not a very happy prophet. You can see from the very beginning of his career that we read about today that he was very reluctant to take up the job. And from the beginning, he was given the job to tear down rather than to raise up. In paintings and sculptures, you'll notice that he's usually depicted as despairing with his head and his hands, sort of a still life with migraine kind of feeling. The word Jeremiah Come, uh, Jeremiah comes from his name, a long, bitter speech. He was a prophet with a curse, because for most of his prophetic career, he only got to give bad news. The book of Jeremiah takes place in the 6th century BC, and the Assyrian Empire, which had conquered Judah, the southern part of Israel, had fallen, and for a brief moment, Judah was free. The priests and the leaders and some of the people began to get their hopes up. Maybe the other big empires in the area would focus on fighting with each other, and then they could finally govern themselves as God had promised. All the prophets in the temple court, Jeremiah's competition, began predicting peace and prosperity and freedom. It was a time of great hope and excitement. And then Jeremiah entered in. He told the people that there was no hope, that they were going to be conquered by Babylon and carried into exile. 
And God told Jeremiah to proclaim this news wherever he went. And while all the other prophets got to give good news, Jeremiah had to keep telling the people that the worst was going to happen. He was not well-liked, became extremely angry with God, felt that God had given him this impossible burden, but he kept on preaching the bad news, and it turned out that he was right. The people of Judah came to believe the false prophets, decided that they could win their independence, and so they rebelled. The Babylonians, as they should have expected, came in, crushed the rebellion, destroyed Jerusalem, reduced the temple to rubble, and carried almost everyone into exile. Now, how might this relate to us? As I mentioned earlier, we want to be very tentative and careful in drawing parallels, but I do wonder. During Jeremiah's time, the people of Judah, particularly the religious and political leaders, refused to believe that anything bad could happen to them. They thought that because the temple of God was in Jerusalem, because God dwelled physically with them in their land, their land and no one else's, they were safe. They were God's chosen people, the exception to every rule. Even though the Babylonians had conquered all their neighbors with ease, they were going to be different. And so God tells Jeremiah to stand in the gate of the temple and shout, amend your ways and your doings and let me dwell with you in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. Jeremiah hears these words as a sort of incantation that the people of Judah think that they have a sort of home base, a kind of safe zone where nothing could possibly happen to them. And Jeremiah keeps warning them that they're taking for granted that they're somehow God's favorites. They're thinking that they're immune to the suffering that affects all human beings, that they have sort of special protection from consequences of their decisions. But in fact, Jeremiah says, Judah's sense of being exceptional has kept them from seeing the truth about their own behavior. He says, from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain, and from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have treated the wounds of my people carelessly, saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace people of Judah, because of their sense of themselves as exceptional, have not seen the consequences of greed and injustice. They've treated the wounds of God's people carelessly. They view themselves as exceptional, so they've ignored and minimized the hurts that they've inflicted on others. I don't know about you, but I'm not enjoying reading the news in the morning. There are suggestions that we might enter into an economic recession. The Amazon's on fire. There's wild dysfunction in both parties. There's whatever mess is going on in Brexit. Sort of new um, anti-Semitism and anti-immigrant sentiment rising to the surface, and it all seems very scary. But I wonder if all of this is so shocking to us, or at least it's shocking to me, because I think of where I live as an exception. The Amazon is a long way away. We don't have to deal with wildfires here. Oh, Marin is different. We don't have economic problems or substance abuse problems like they have in other places. We're an exception. 
This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. Maybe scary events going on in the world today push us to realize that like people in Jeremiah's time, our greed and indifference have made us treat the wounds of God's people carelessly. Maybe God is pushing us to the point where we can no longer say peace, peace, when there is no peace. And I wonder if some of what is being exposed has actually been broken for a long time. We've been insulated by race and class from seeing the full extent of that brokenness. And maybe everything going on in the world is a prophetic call to reckon honestly with the fact that some of our institutions have broken down. Maybe there's grace in the revelation that we have cracks in our foundation, that we are not yet who God has called us to be. As a nation, as a country, as a parish, we are extraordinarily blessed. But there is brokenness here, as there is everywhere. And sometimes we need a little push from God to point it out. Perhaps our call right now is to join with Jeremiah in refusing to say that things are okay when they're not. Maybe our call is to be honest in acknowledging what is broken and treating the wounds of others with care. Maybe our call is to realize that we're not exceptional, that we haven't figured out the solution to the world's problems. We have to work to do together, and it might get worse before it gets better. Not particularly good news. But there's no resurrection without death first. One of the lessons that Jeremiah teaches is that hope for rebuilding, hope for a new start, only comes after we're honest with ourselves about what's broken. It's true in our families, it's true in our personal lives, it's true in our society as well. It was only after Judah learned humility and compassion the hard way after they had to go into exile just like everyone else, that they experienced hope and freedom. Because after being convinced that God dwelled only in the temple, the people of Judah realized that when they went into exile, God went with them. The temple was in rubble, Jerusalem was destroyed, but God was not. They had been clinging on to something that they didn't really need. What made them special was not the presence of, their, of the temple, but God's love for them. And even when the things that were most important to them seemed to be stripped away, even when the things that they thought they relied on were gone, God was still there. God was still with them. Perhaps we'll come out of all of this in the same way. Perhaps we'll be pushed a little bit to give up some of our idols, some of the things that we think we rely on in order to discover that God is with us. When Jerusalem was in ashes and the people were about to be marched off to Babylon and exile, Jeremiah started prophesying good news. Again, he was not particularly well-liked. God tells Jeremiah at this moment to take all the money he has and to go and buy a plot of land in Jerusalem. This is obviously a ridiculous thing to do in a city that's just rubble. It's just been conquered, and it was about to be depopulated. But the purchase was meant as a symbolic act, a sign that one day that people 
that one day the people would return to the city, a sign that there was hope. Jeremiah wouldn't live on that land, but his grandchildren would. Jeremiah was given this message for a people that had just been captured by a foreign power. They would go into exile, but God would go with them. Even in adversity, there would be hope. And so Jeremiah ended his life in exile in Babylon, a happy captive, his prophecies full of joy and hope for the future, and probably still annoying to everyone. So the news isn't looking very good these days, and we might well be in in for a hard time. After all, God loves every person equally, and we aren't exempt from the problems faced by every human society. But if we face that brokenness honestly, if we, quit, if we commit to rebuilding what has fallen down in a way that's better, more compassionate, more just, more loving than what we lost, then we might experience the truth of Jeremiah's most famous and most hopeful prophecy. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. Amen.